repeated babbling, the rants, the laughs, the tiny steps that get us through chronic illness. And as always, a little disclaimer before we get started, I'm not a health practitioner of any kind. I am just a person with a chronic illness and um, opinions. So today, it's not just me babbling. I have a guest. It's my friend Brian Coughlin. He's had a bit of a rough time recently, so we decided to chat about it. It's a bit different because he doesn't have a chronic illness, condition, whatever, but he almost did. It's been so long since I've been at the beginning of the process, I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Well, at least interesting for me, hopefully for you guys too. We'll get into it in the episode, but it went from a normal back problem, and back problems suck, so I'm not minimizing that, but you know, an everyday back problem to figuring out that surgery was needed to, oh my God, can this even be fixed? And spoiler alert, for him, it does turn out in the end, which is awesome. I'm so happy for him. But the poor guy has been through a lot in the last year or so, and I have a podcast. So ta-da, we have an episode. Anyway, Brian's a comedian in Toronto, and he runs a weekly open mic night at Betty's on Queen Street East, uh, Corktown Comedy, if you want to look him up. Uh, So we did the recording there. And that was a little tricky for me because uh, I was a little nervous. As you can tell, my voice gets high-pitched and fast because because I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure how to position the recorder for multiple people and I don't have any mics. But I did the best I could with the little sound editing knowledge that I have. And I did try to take the background noise up from the bar downstairs because uh, we were upstairs in the strange living room like party room they have up there uh, that the mic night is in but the bar got louder as the evening progressed and I didn't notice so I yeah so in the recording at the end of it there's weird ghost noises and that's just from the bar downstairs and also some comedians show up for the open mic night at the very very end so there's a few extra voices as we were wrapping up in the background I think that's about all the sound disclaimers I need so yeah Here's the interview. Or a recording. This is the first official For You're the first official guest. Of me, um, no, I've already got an official episode out. Oh, do but you? But that was just me solo. Okay. Which, that one's hard, because you're talking... This, You know, you hear about radio people complaining yeah, about yeah. that, like, I'm sitting in a room all alone talking to myself. Like, yeah. It's like, impressive. That's almost chronically painful unto itself. Well, also, I don't know, I get a lot of energy from people, so also just sitting there, I'm like, this is the place where I get to go crash out. (laughs) I don't have to be sort of like bright and cheery at home. So anyway, but this isn't about me. And you were happy with the first episode? Ah, it could be better. Well, this is going to be a great episode. Brilliant. Fantastic. Brilliant. So tell me what happened, and like what the journey was, and what happened, and... Because it sort of well, came out of the blue. It's amazing. Uh, well, I've literally, I told you I was downstairs. Um, so I was, somebody was said, oh, how's your back? Because they thought I had a, a simple back problem, right. which is what I originally had. So it was, it was a herniated disc. I mean, everybody knows what a herniated disc is. And it's not, um, not uncommon. And most people over the age of 50 have probably a herniated disc and they have this this issue, but it only becomes a problem if it starts to either sit on a nerve root, which is mm. what happened to mine. So this is this isn't the real, the real <laughs> issue of what I had. So my doctor, my family doctor, called the procedure a microdiscectomy. He called it paint by numbers. So this is like very easy for a neurosurgeon. It's the bread and butter. Routine, no problem. 
That's what they told me. Mm. That's what they told me. So <laughs> as I got moving along closer to the date when I had to get this thing done, you know, it is funny how you can almost have premonitions and, and start to let things infiltrate your mind because the Raptors were in the, in the okay. championship yeah, run, yeah. and this coach of the, of the uh, Golden State Warriors, I had read an article because he had oh, right. exactly the same thing done. This you mentioned. Yeah. But he had the same complication that I have. So I'll tell you what that was. It was called a dural, dural tear, which is... Sounds your, innocuous. It does. It sounds it's like, like a, it's just a little tear. It's all good. Don't worry. Just a little bit of tape. It'll yeah. be fine. I wish. I know. Well, they do use tape. <laughs> and they use glue. Yeah, I know they use glue and staples. Glue. Well, maybe not in this procedure, but yeah. But yeah. So basically when I went into the uh, surgery, you sign off on a, on a thing. And it is ironic because the, 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 I was in the waiting pre-surgery room and the, the lady across from me was told that her surgery was not going to go for, forward as planned because there was a cancellation or something. And I was hoping that it was that they were going to do that to me. Like deep down, I was like, Give I don't want to get this done right now. I don't know. Maybe I'm Can scared. Can we wait a day? Yeah. Just let me ease into this. But I kept thinking, paint by numbers, paint by numbers, easy, routine. Easy. And then you sign that document that says that there could be a complication, right? Neurosurgery, lots of things could happen. You could have nerve damage. You could have like more permanent things. And I know people that have had that happen. So it's yeah. un- uncommon, but it's not unheard unfeasible. of. Yeah, un- yeah unheard. Of. And uh, so you sign it, and then. I'll cut to the chase. This dural tear is when they nick the dura, the dura, which holds your cerebral spinal fluid. Okay. And apparently that's what happens. So there's a 1% likelihood, 1-4% likelihood it will happen, which is rare. Generally, it means the neurosurgeon wasn't being very meticulous during the procedure. That's what I've gathered. Fair, I, fair enough. But I, need, I wasn't there. I don't know. I need more money for the, uh, for the malpractice situation, <laughs> unfortunately. Fair enough. So... Uh, he didn't, he, it was a, a male surgeon, he didn't catch the problem on the way out, which usually they do, they catch okay. it, that's the second thing. So then you get these, develop these, when you stand up, it's it's like having a hole in the bottom of a bucket. If there's liquid in there, it drains really quickly. So when you stand up, the fluid pressure in your in your brain sag, like it drops. That um, does not sound like fun. Not fun at all. Not fun. And the immediate result is headaches, orthostatic headaches. Which you're very familiar with. Yeah, I got migraines, but they, that sounds like, it, yeah. Right. I don't even know what, I didn't know what they were until this. Well, I've never heard of them. And There's, I read all sorts of stuff on headaches in general, because I'm always looking for interesting. whatever. Interesting. Because, yeah, as soon as you stand up, the, the only real cure, not cure, but remedy short term is to lay flat, is to be laying Horizontal. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm usually pretty good at. I yeah, think. you know. But I never had a dural tear back then. Plus, you know, it's it's different when it's mandatory. It's very different. And they, they impose this. So the doctor, when I called the office, I said, here's the problem. I, I've, I've got nausea. I've got this terrible headache. I, I was feeling lightheaded, dizzy. They said, lay down. Just lay down. Give it a couple days because... When you treat it conservatively, it usually remedies itself. I guess if it's tiny or something, maybe the body can do it itself. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. The body heals itself, right? So that didn't work for me. Three, four days later, I, I got up 
and same problem existed. So um, step one was oversuture because the incisions in your back. So they oversuture it because the idea is to equalize the pressure inside the cat where the problem yeah. and then hopefully like you say it could just seal up or scar tissue would form and then it would seal itself um but as long as there's an incision that it can get out the liquid can get out of then it will naturally go that way and that's what it was doing so you didn't there was no there was no missing the fact that you were still you still had a leak because you were leaking yeah like down your back oh yeah well there was a gauze well, yeah, okay. And it wasn't like it wasn't like a fountain of cerebral spinal. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, but yeah, that's weird. Yeah, very weird. So then you start reading up on it. Oh, I knew Doctor Google. Chronically, terribly. Uh, I was I told. I was told immersed. by a doctor that uh, a little while ago, like, oh, don't worry, I don't think it's leukemia or anything. And I'm like, I didn't even know I was supposed to be worried about that. I'm like, what? Like, no, 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 this is, this is, this is minor. This is due diligence. I'm not worried about anything right. serious. Well, this so, yeah, but this thing. one, yeah. What you're saying is kind of interesting because you, I'm 53 and I've generally been healthy. I actually, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty lucky. So, right. And you get into this, this cycle of whatever could happen to you is always fixable. Like if it's a virus, you just take a thing. If it's a that, you, you get an x-ray and yeah. you get it, you get it set. That's right. But for the first time because this is not a guarantee that that it can get fixed easily usually the spine where mine was lower spine is is a greater likelihood of of it remediating okay. at some point but in the, if, but if it's in the that brain. At, at some which point <laughs> well my doctor was looking a little flustered i'll be honest because we oh, went through all the conservative stuff i leaked i had to go to emergency i was re readmitted we waited a few days, so then we did a re what they call a repair surgery or okay. a revision surgery. Fair enough. Yeah. And then he got in, he got, you know, you go through the second anesthesia in a week because it's, you had the <laughs> other thing. And you come out, and like my wife was high fiving. I'm like, what? She goes, he said that he saw the tear, he found the tear, he sutured it up, he grafted it, he put glue on it. That's and right. you're like, so I'm good. So you think you're good. That's so, right. He says, just lay, he keeps you in the hospital, lay in bed for four more days just to make sure we're Fair enough, fair enough. Don't want to push it. So you're feeling okay. But, you know, in, intuitively, you know, in a way, your body, don't you? Uh, it depends. Because sometimes, I know I've pushed through so much stuff over the years that mm -hmm. it sort of became very disassociative. Like, so then you don't, because if you check in, you're going to fall over. So, yeah, sometimes it's sort of like blinders on, keep going. Right. So True. I'm getting much better at doing the whole thing now and checking in and knowing my body more. But yeah, it's been yeah. a bit of a process. And this, at this point... But yeah, I, sometimes things just don't feel right. Well, that's it. That's it. And, and that's what they say that everything is like, you know, if it doesn't feel right or if there's something that does, does, doesn't jive, whatever the word mm -hmm. is, um, you know, think about it. And, and conversely... Once you start to feel better, you know, like now I've kind of rebounded and right. that's the end of the story. Well, We've got way more time. we got to hear this story out. This no, no, no. Well, ask questions. Don't worry. Okay. So um, I knew there was maybe something wrong. And I finally got up after I'd been out of the hospital now, maybe for one or two days. But I continued to lay flat because I was so worried about Fair it. Fair enough. Because when you get to revi revision surgery, even other doctors are like, yeah, this is very... People on the spine, you know, were like, this doesn't happen very often. You know, which again is, is your good. doctor screwed up. 
Let's face it. For, I, maybe his do- maybe his office will want to sponsor this. Maybe you know. Or, well, I find I like the um, I like it when the medical institution blames you, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, well, clearly you have a weak lining of something or whatever." Or I like the one that, and I needed. Um, I, I'm going to go off on a rant on this at some point, but <laughs> uh, I needed a doctor to fill out a form, and he did, and, and he's. Uh, I, I, I the patient has failed all the treatments. Mm-hmm. Like I failed. Right. Like I took all the pills. I did all the things. Like it's not me that's failed. Right. It's you. Well, not him specifically, but medical science in general. Sure. Very true. Like, what do you mean I failed the treatment? And doctors will often not like they are. There's doctors that are very explanatory and they give you the, the the ins and outs. But other doctor and this guy was one of them. He just kind of like came in. He said, "Okay, great. We're just lay in bed for four days." And then he'd, he'd shoot out of the room, and you're kind of like, okay, and then what? You know? Yeah, I had a family member that um, had some major heart surgery and, like, got the cream of the crop guy. But he's like, I think he had, like, a staff that did all the bedside stuff. He did come in and obviously meet them and stuff, but he was like, I'm the plumber. Right. <laughs> like, he's like, right. that's what I'm good at. Go talk to these people. They're good at all the other stuff. Exactly. So at least he knew. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, well, you ended up with two two revisions, right? Or yeah. just one? Oh, uh-huh. no, the two. Because two. After, the, after it leaked again... Um, we had to go Because now back. we're definitely in like astronomical odds of is, not being, yeah. I said to him, I said, we, you and I are going to end up in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's gonna be <laughs> and he goes, I do not want to be in No, there. right? Because that would be, yeah. Did I mention about the doctor in Boston that I... So I talked to another yeah. neurosurgeon and, and, you know, the general theme is this is a neurosurgeon's worst nightmare because, as you say, they, they, he said it was either cartilage or uh, uh, could have been a bone spur that caused the, the nick. But let's face it, I'm 53 years, I never my bone spur never nicked my dura before. And three days after, he, he went in there and worked in that exact area. Come on. That's okay. I'm not mad at him. In no, no, end, it, it shit happens, but yeah. In the end, it was, um, yeah, him and I actually got along pretty good in the end. We were on, I could text him, you know. You can't text your neurosurgeon very often. I was going to say, I do not have a text basis with my specialists. No, not at all. And, and so we did the second surgery. And then at that point, I was kind of getting a little bit irate because I was panicked. I was worried. You go through it like. For sure. For the first time. And like I was saying, I've never really had problems. But for the first time, I was going, this may not be fixable. George Clooney had a cerebral spinal fluid leak in 1994, 95, somewhere there. And this, this is what I read. Fair enough. I, I, I haven't kept up, so, could you know. Could be fake George Clooney news. But who would make this up? Um, and, the, you know, he, he said at the time he had considered suicide. Because, and I'm not one of those people that had a real desperately bad time with the leak. Okay, fair. So when you were horizontal, you were relatively okay. Yeah, I could make Way too much time to think. Yeah, but. <laughs> but, but also not wanting to be on my back right. for 22 hours a day because I could only get up for two hours because I'm drinking caffeine. And caffeine apparently helps okay. equal, uh, helps the pressure. But there's a, there's a, there's a doctor at Cedar sinai in, in, in Los Angeles. And then he's the best of the best. And... You know, and then I'm, I'm looking into these things now because I'm, I'm hearing like, is my neurosurgeon going to come to me after, if he didn't fix it the first time, is he going to come and go, we, I don't think I can fix this. Or, or he might have been smart and referred me to somebody who might have, but they do not want to deal with it. So the secondary vision surgery did, in the end, work, I guess, because... My, my incision is healed. This is going back now. Well, you've been ago. vertical for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, happily, I've been vertical. And um, at the other end of it, 
I'm glad, uh, you know, you get that whole appreciation for life for about half an hour. And then you're like, you get all pissed off at everything again. <laughs> like, this is bullshit. This oh, it's such a roller coaster. The world is bullshit, you know. So you get you get solved and, you know, I don't care, but everybody's like, oh, how's your back? Like, they think that you just had a bad herniated disc and I don't bother. Like, when you, like, you've had... You've had these migraines and, and you've had other health issues. Well, it's, it is tricky because there is that sort of, oh, this person, all they talk about is their health issues. It's so boring. I don't want to like, and so you don't want to be True. that person at the no. same time. Like, well, this is the shit you're going through. So it does, you have to sort of figure it out and find the balance. And also it depends where I'm at. Because mm-hmm. like if I'm having a hard time dealing with it, then... I'm talking about it a lot because I talk a lot. Anyway, but if I'm like, yeah, it sucks, but it is what it is, level of acceptance, then it's like, yeah, we'll talk about stuff, but, you know, it'll come up in conversation, but it's not a huge deal. Like, it doesn't take over. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, did you find, because you were sort of out of commission, my world has gotten progressively smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and smaller. Like, especially when it's doing really badly. Like, you know, I can't, mm-hmm. I'm lucky if I get out to get some groceries, that sort wow. of thing. So yeah. I understand why people only talk about their medical issues because a, that, you know, if it's a thing you're dealing with, you clearly need to process it somehow. Right. And the other thing is there's times where there's not much else going on. No. Nothing. I have learned how to no. make like stories out of nothing. <laughs> like, like, hello, look, I That's was, skill, I right? was on the streetcar. Was they were going like a bat out of hell? It doesn't matter. Like, right. because, like, not much happens. I can't chat about what's been going on in the office drama or mm-hmm. you know this or that because it just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of kind of weird where it just gets really tiny. And and yeah, yeah. so yes. it can take over. And but you, and you realize it obviously. You know, again, I was in the spine unit. I think the stroke unit was kind of together. But, you know, these people are like younger than me and having much bigger problems uh, that you don't expect to get at 37 or 40. Or oh, I know. And that does make you realize that it could be a lot worse too, whatever it is you're dealing with. Oh, it can so always helps, be worse. Right? That helps I you a lot, right? Well, and also, I think age does play a big thing because... I can bond with almost any senior citizen. Right. Because <laughs> we're like, I'm like, yeah, it's the same sort of stuff we're dealing with. Whereas, and when I was a lot younger, it was because nobody had any frame of reference. Right. Very so true. it's always mm-hmm. tricky. And and obviously the friends that have stuck around have stuck around because they're good friends too. So sure. that helps. But yeah, like I remember one, one friend we were chatting and she's like, she felt bad because she was complaining about her commute, but her commute was like two hours each way. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm sick of big picture problems. Let's talk about a two hour commute. <laughs> Definitely sucks. Maybe not as bad as chronic pain suckage, right, but it's right. still not fun. Very true. And this is potentially solvable. We can get you a job yeah. close to your house. <laughs> like, That's it. We, you can move. Like these are right. things we can fix. Yeah. Again, maybe not long, you know, maybe not in the short term, but. Sure. But yeah, and it's sort of, but you know, yeah, it I is. guess at some point in time you have to learn to think outside the box of what your problem is, in a sense, because... Well, sometimes you just need a vacation. You're sick you need, of it. You need a vacation, but at the same time, like, I was truly toying with the idea that this may not get fixed in the short term, and that could have been months 
or that could have even I've read the horror, yeah. some horror stories that like led to a couple of years. There was a guy on Sia I read. Uh, I guess he's uh, he had a problem where he was bedridden for eleven years at a young age, and they couldn't figure out what his problem was. Like the, that's that's the like at least you knew. It out. So he went in and he actually studied and figured out what his own problem was and de- devised with another surgeon or professor or whatever uh, a surgery to attack and fix the problem and it had something to do with adrenaline inside his tissue I don't know but anyway he fixed himself yeah you if know? you get into chronic illness type stuff there's a lot of people that I lucked out I've lucked out a lot of times with doctors right. where I got diagnosis quickly and you know all of this where some people yeah it takes forever and then and I understand, you know, if you look up something on Google, well, congratulations, you have a brain tumor, you're going to die. Like yeah, just, and, yeah. but other times like Google is a lifesaver. It's like, oh, look, I found this new treatment. There's a family history of this. This indicates this. This is the test. Like, let's go try it. Let's see what right. happens. Like, True. so it's and I, so many stories of people self-diagnosing themselves mm-hmm. or finding the issue at mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah, I mean, um. But the, and the one of the things is is the luckily you didn't get this one which is oh yeah I can't help you right well that's, now what that's <laughs> well and sometimes to be fair to the doctors sometimes it's true like this isn't their area sure. you know it it's exceeded sure. their knowledge in this area or whatever but the way again the way they say it it's like oh well we can't I can't help you right. Right. And now, I, and before I would walk away, I'd be like, Whatever okay. Whatever hope you had is. Yeah. Excuse me while I go crawl into a cave and <laughs> cry for a few months. And before I crawl out, now I've learned, like, no, no, no. Then you say, okay, well, then who can? Right. What do we do next? Where do I go? Is there somebody? Do you know a guy? Like, right. Or, you know, a guy. Well, you have to think, keep but, thinking and you have to stay ahead because. But it's so hard because it's. It, now, outside of it, like outside of the appointment, you're like, yes, yeah, clearly. You ask a follow up question, but in the middle of it, your brain's going a mile a minute. You're like, oh my God, this could last for years, blah, 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 blah. Like, you're not thinking straight. No, no, you're not. And uh, you're just focused on being back to what the norm was for you. It's, you know, and you just, you just want to do stupid, normal things again as soon as possible. And, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm glad I had good family around and people to come and visit. Because sure. when you are laying on your back uh, and you're going nowhere for, like, many of these people in a hospital, um, the days are long and uh, people say, oh, just binge watch something. I'm like, I'm not going to run. I, you know, some people can do that, but I just was basically wrapped up in my issue 24-7. And even when I was, all I wanted to do was sleep and I couldn't sleep at night because sleeping in a hospital was never easy. I wasn't in there that long, but it was two, two and a half weeks, which is nothing. Some people spend an inordinate amount of times in different hospitals and those people, you know, I feel for those people. Oh, for time. sure. I mean, but it's not a competition. It's like, the, does the commuting suck? Yeah, commuting sucks. Chronic pain sucks? You know, the whatever. Like, it also, two weeks still sucks, even if it, it could be worse, it could be better. Right. Not a competition. Not a competition. But that, that last surgery kicked my butt. You know, it was a bit of a hard one. I, I thought by the, yeah, the first two were pretty easy in a sense. But, uh, yeah, the last one, it's, well, plus been, the, it's taken a while to get over that one. Physically or mentally or both? I think I think mentally when I first came out I was I was in like the worst spot for the first three days because that's the most sensitive time it's like if this is really gonna leak even though I was still horizontal because um, they kept me on bed rest for five days after the third 
after the third pursuit. I'd play it safe. And, 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 and he said, oh, you can get up on Friday. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting up. <laughs> I didn't get up till like Monday. Because I'm Oh, like, and on the weekend, there's not as much staff. You don't want to risk it. No, you yeah, don't no. want to miss it. Or risk it, rather, yeah. So, um, yeah, you you know, I was... Every day, I, I was still had that in the back of my mind that it may not be gone yet, or it may not be fixed. Um, once he took the sutures out, and he even kind of threw that in. He goes, you know, this is not to worry you, which, of course, you know what I mean. But there could be a slight, tiny, tiny chance that there could the, the, the this liquid could come through the holes that the sutures have. Okay, I can And I'm yeah. like, okay. But it seemed unlikely because we had the sutures in for a long... These are like... These sutures were like super tight, ratcheted up like underneath layers and layers of skin. Like they were... Oh, yeah. He's making in, sure there's... Yeah, time. like I could feel it. Like when I turned from side to side, it felt like somebody was like bear hugging me. Like it was like, this is not good, right? So anyway, I, uh, I got through it and I'm glad I did get through it obviously but uh you know there's a lot of people out there that have this problem and you know it's terrible most people haven't heard of it well yeah and it it's called leakers it's cerebral like they just call themselves leakers fair enough because you're leaking Concise. and they can't figure out where the leak is i guess you can't do like the inner tube trick on a bicycle like put soapy water see oh. where the bubble comes out that doesn't work well, very they, well with know, the spine they, they do do that they do on my last Operation. I'm going to call it that because I'm old school. Um, they um, they did the thing called the Valsalva maneuver, which is because there were three neurosurgeons there. Um, so what they do is they, they pick you up and they hold you up and they squeeze you. They bear hug squeeze you and they look in to see if they can see if there's any Anything liquid escaping. Up? Very old school maneuver. But it's hey, sometimes if it ain't broken, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they said by that point in time, he was like, we've checked, we've double checked. We're sure, like he goes, I, I don't want to say 100% because he's so yeah. nervous at that point, but he goes, he goes, we got it. Awesome. So that was cool. Yeah, but I could totally see how that also, like, even just emotionally, like, the the stakes are so high at that point. Because before you're like, oh, yeah, this never happens. And, oh, even if, it, okay, it happened, but no worries. We just go in and patch it up. It'll be fine. And then it's like, okay, <laughs> well, third start- time's a charm? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, it, well, it is funny. It really is now. But I was talking to a, like, they have these nurses, or not nurses, it was a doctor. Like, they, they kind of work the, the, the the area that you're in. So they just come around and do little checks. They're not yeah. the doctor responsible for you, but they yeah. help the exactly. other doctor. And I said to her, I, I said, look, I, I, you know, is this between you and I? And she said, yeah. I said, I said I'm, I'm fucking losing confidence, like 110%. This was after the first one. Uh-huh. And we were trying to figure out whether the second, like I, I was just thinking, there's no way we need a second. Because talk about losing hope. If the first revision surgery didn't work, what do you do? Just do it again? Because he told me he got it. So... You know, I was at a very low point there. And then when I got out of the hospital after the thing, as they say, the first couple of days were just were just terrible, like just terrible. And then slowly but surely, you know, um, you know, I was panicked about the whole incision thing. Like if, if you walked within six feet behind me, I was like, don't come near me. You could you could breathe the wrong way and I'll leak again. Like I was just terrible to be around. And thank God my wife was there, my, my kids who yeah. who were very helpful. I, they saw things they should have never have seen. Like yeah, you helping know. your dad shave for the first time when I finally got to the point where I could 
cover the ba- cover the suture uh-huh. and, and and get in the do the thing because you want to get back to the human part of life again. My 15-year-old was very unimpressed with having to hold a bowl while I shaved inside the shower because I, I couldn't bend over or do anything. Fair like, enough. So I had to stand up. And uh, I'm sure I've marked him for life. Ah, that's not good. the right way. But he's a good kid. Growing experience. It's a growing experience, for sure. Congrats, you know. So we got through it. Awesome. But thank you for asking. And I have that. a question. Sure. Because I'm always kind of curious, which is... If a year ago, before all this happened, you had, like I said, you read the article about the raptor guy who had the thing and whatever. So if you had done like the thought experiment, what if all this crap happened to me? What would you have not expected? Like there's things where you're like, okay, yeah, if I had surgery, that would suck and there would be recovery time and yeah, I'd be laid up in the hospital and if I had to, you know. And then, and then, oh, everything's going to be fine after, you know. And so, yeah, okay, I could see I would be low and whatever. But sometimes there's things that, I don't think I'm saying this right. No, no, but I, I see what you're saying, yeah. It's like, you're like, oh, my God, I had so much time just to stare at the ceiling in the hospital. Or whatever it was, like, you, that you wouldn't have thought would have been a, a big deal, and it was. Um, well, um... The guy that was um, the basketball guy was the guy, the coach of the the other team. The, oh, the okay. Team. Sorry. And he had this exact problem, and he said, "Never, ever, ever, ever let anybody near your back. Don't let them go in there. Rehab, rehab, rehab." Because he st- he he was he was one of those chronic people. He Fair did enough. all kinds of things, and he was, had to come off, come away from work multiple times, even during the playoffs. So, you know, I, I literally was reading that just days before I went in, and that's why I was like, I don't know about this. So to answer your question, I think what I would never have expected was that you go through life day to day and you take everything truly for granted. Yeah. That you're always going to be in that same state of health or wellness or whatever. And I, I guess that this this episode for the first time has made me realize that things can and will more than likely in due time happen to you that may that may not be completely fixable or may not resolve to the point that you'd like it to be mm. um you know my right leg because of that whole nerve thing and it went on for quite a while which was the original problem it may come back 100 percent, or it may get back to 70 or 80 um that means i might have a bit of a my right foot might kind of do a little slap foot or whatever Fair enough. Call yeah it. Or- you know that's small potatoes but I guess for the first time, I really realized that you could get news or something could happen. You, you, you know, you're, you're not immune and you might, you hopefully will have a fix to it, but you, the fix may not get you back to where you were. It may not get you back to where you want to be, but that becomes your new reality. And eventually you learn to deal with that. Pretty much. And <laughs> you just say, hey, this is what I got and I'm going to keep going. And, you know, God forbid something really bad comes down the line, then you can't fix it. But if it uh, if it's going to happen eventually, too. So well, not find, to be morbid. But you know, good. fair enough. Well, yeah, I know. I've, one of the things I'll hear people talk to me or other people I know as well, it's like the like humans don't like change. No. We dread it. We do everything to avoid it. We'll stay in a bad relationship, a bad job, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then when you go out the other side, you're like, why did it? This is fine. Like, 
we're actually pretty good at dealing with it when it happens. Right. But ahead of time, we're like, oh, my, I don't know how I would live through that. Or, right. you know, and other, and on the, like you say, it's the new normal, maybe better objectively or not or whatever, but it's going to be different either way. Mm-hmm. And we're a lot more adaptable than we think we are. We are. And the, the reality is you don't have any choice. Pretty much. So, like, somebody says, oh, well, what happens if this would, would happen? I'm like, well... You know, if a shark bites off your leg, well, you didn't want that to happen, but it's now happened and you don't have a choice but to either, I mean, you could just say, I'm just going to lay out here and bleed to death and never, never face the problem, like deal with it. Or you got... Figure it out. And and the, the, the body heals and I'm sure the mind has a way of mm-hmm. resolving within itself that you are going to get better and you are going to get, move on. And man, I've seen people literally with that example where they've been attacked by a shark. And oh, like, yikes. I should never have been it. Like, this is their home, and I'm just visiting, and I'm not mad at the shark. I'm, yeah. mad, I'm mad at my neurosurgeon, but they are not mad at their shark, at the shark. So, Fair enough. whatever that all means. And the last thing, just because sometimes chronic illness stuff can get kind of heavy and depressing sure. and whatever, is uh, a dash of happy, which is like. A little thing that either helped get you through the whole experience or that uh, you did for yourself or somebody else did for you. For you. Like, okay. not the big things, like the big caretaking things necessarily, because those are massive yeah. and well yeah. appreciated. I did have some great help. Definitely. Sure. But just those little things, like a friend sending you a meme or a funny YouTube video or something where it was, it was just that little spark that helped you get through did you have anything like that because your your experience was not short but like yeah, it, you, yeah. it was kind of concentrated you had a yeah, tough time yeah it was happening kind of quick you know I guess if I thought about it more I'd probably come up with a better example but yeah if I, if I was a professional I would have prepped you exactly no, no, that's okay. <laughs> you've done a great job I appreciate it what I'm saying I think I think it was really just some of the people that would st- like it doesn't mean that the people that didn't contact you were not were negligent or not not your friends or fan, but but some people really were good about just giving you that little quick text. And yeah, saying, how you doing today? Or how, like, did you? What was the result of such and such? So, um, needless to say, um, those things helped a lot. You know, just even though like you, you think you want to talk about it twenty four seven, but you you have somebody finally to talk to and, and somebody's asking that question. Yeah, because um, I find it's also it's so many times it's the little things that exactly. make things go. Sounds like we got visitors. It so. does. We should wrap it up. That was so. great. Thank yes. you very much. Jen. Thank you. And I'll add it. an intro and an outro at the end. Okay. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We did it. Okay, so yeah, we got cut off there with comedians showing up for the open mic night. But Brian's right. Uh, I liked his little dash of happy, even though I didn't, I probably should have prepped him for that. But anyway, it's usually not that hard to be supportive. A simple, like, how are you doing is great. And we all know the difference between the, like, hi, how are you, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just a script that everyone says when you talk to each other and you don't really mean it. But you also know when a friend really asks, like, hey, how are you doing? And those are also invaluable. Though sometimes they have reduced me to tears because I am not doing well. And it's a very fine veneer of pretending to do well on top of things. But uh, for the most part, even those, like, it's good. So just go ahead and connect with someone today. That's way too deep. What's mine? I recorded with Brian a while ago. I had one lined up and I don't remember what it was.
Oh, wait, 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 wait. Well, I don't know if that was what I had, but uh, I'll give you a dash of happy from yesterday, which is garlic bread. I don't mean like normal garlic bread where it's, you know, just a slice of bread with yummy garlicness on top. I mean, a garlic bread where there's garlic like kneaded into the dough. So anyway, guess I should explain. As you know, I get migraines, which can lead to a lot of nausea and brain fog. And as nausea goes, mine isn't that bad. And I know I just told Brian that it's not a competition, but seriously, it isn't. Compared to even a lot of other migraine sufferers or something something like a chemo or anything, it really isn't bad at all. But it is still bad enough that food is weird and, you know, I'll be hungry, but I don't want to eat anything. It's a weird thing. And I do eat way too many white food products to cope with it. And yeah, this is another one, though I sometimes add some whole wheat flour, but really not enough to make that much of a difference. I found another yummy white food product. Most of them are good. I mean, potatoes, bread, it's all good. Maybe not always good for us in large quantities, but still good. Now, in in normal world land, fresh baked bread, like no one has time for that. You're working, you don't have time, but... I don't work anymore because my head explodes on a regular basis and it's just not fun at all. So, and plus that I'll be foggy afterwards, time is all wobbly and waiting an hour for bread to rise, that can feel like five minutes because I have no concept of time when I'm super foggy. And the other thing that I am lucky to have is I do have a mixer. I couldn't need bread while I'm recovering from a migraine. I think the migraine would just come right back because my head would pound every time I needed the bread. So it wouldn't happen without a mixer. And I don't know, all these factors of like, hey, you actually have time. You don't notice when time passes. You need some cheap white bread products. So I went on the internet and I found myself a recipe. And again, no shade against regular garlic bread. Regular garlic bread is awesome. It This one has roasted garlic in the bread dough. It is so good. As always, I, I can't leave well enough alone, so I've done variations, but I'll post a link on social media to the basic recipe later on. And I mean, I've roasted the garlic more time or less time or added rosemary. That was really good. Or left the garlic out entirely and just had a lovely loaf of bread, changed up the baking method, all sorts of things. Because as I said, I can't leave well enough alone. But each time, it's been good. So this is a really solid recipe that you can muck around with. So that's my dash of happy for this month. Let's do the housekeeping. Please subscribe because there's no schedule. Right now I'm crossing my fingers that this will get out by the end of September. If not, I'll try to get two out at the beginning of October or one at the beginning of October, one at the end of October. We'll see what happens. Rate, review, because there's algorithms. And please be kind. This is a one-person show. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just winging it. Social media, there is a website. There's not much on there, really. Right now, it's mostly just a link to the podcast. So that's medicatedbabbling.com. Okay, I am not very good at social media, mostly because I don't... When I'm not doing well, I don't post a lot. When I'm doing well, um, I'm often trying to do things like get the podcast recorded or something. There's very few hours in my day. You won't get bombarded if you follow me or anything like that because I'm just not well organized enough and have enough bandwidth to do a lot. But I do try. Instagram is at Medicated Babbling for all the podcasty stuff. I keep that sort of podcast specific. If you want to follow my stuff, it's at JT Art and Stuff. 
I don't know. Again, I don't post much. I might crochet something. I might do my nails. I might take a picture of something random. It's, it's there's not much up there, but it's there. Twitter. It's just at M babbling. I don't really understand Twitter. Don't know what I'm doing. So I post there occasionally. Again, Facebook, Medicated Babbling. Just search for Medicated Babbling and hopefully you'll find me. And the other fingers crossed thing is that I will have this episode up on YouTube. Some people listen to podcasts on YouTube and hopefully I'll have that set up for this one. So there's that. Again, it's Medicated Babbling. And thanks to Fresh Kills for the intro and outro music, as always, at Fresh Kills, F-R-E-S-H and K-I-L, just one L. S. And thanks for listening this long. You get a gold star. Don't forget you matter, and I'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. One, two, three, four, get it. One, two, three, four, get it. One.